climate and sustainability. And good afternoon to you, Kevin James. Are you good? Uh, very good, Ernest. Hello. Uh, storming here in Cape Town, so back to normal for a Cape Town winter. Yeah, rainy, rainy Cape Town and uh, urging all motorists to uh, drive extra cautiously. Now, you said it in the promo there, uh, Kevin. Lake Karachay in Russia, seemingly most beautiful landscape and lake combined. Yet, unfortunately, it has become famous not for its beauty, but rather for being the most polluted place on Earth. How did this come about? Well, that's right. And I suppose, uh, Ernest, this is a reminder of really how destructive us human beings can be. If you take a, a Lake Karachay is really a beautiful, pristine looking place, but really from a distance. Like Lake Karachay is right near Mayak, which is a 1940s nuclear weapons factory that was kept a big secret until 1990 when the Soviet Union started to crumble. And what was found there was quite horrific. Western scientists, when they were given access, they found that there was three and a half meters thick high-level radioactive waste in the lake. Uh, in 1994, another 5 million cubic meters of radioactive water had migrated and was spreading south and north at a rate of about 80 meters per annum into other water um, intakes and rivers towards uh, the Arctic Ocean and south as well. So just to give listeners an idea of what this means exactly, some parts of the lake are so radioactive that if a person drove there, and apparently there are no warning signs around, so people do just drive in there, they would be dead within 30 minutes, hmm. basically. So surrounding towns have experienced higher instances of cancer, especially leukemia, 41% increase in leukemia instances, and the 25% more birth defects. And apparently Chernobyl, not so far away, has the disaster added to the pollution in this lake as well. So in a nutshell, nuclear waste pollution admittedly caused by the, the, the Soviet Union prior to 1990 is one of the biggest threats to the Russian environment and the surrounding waterways. And I'm not going to say much more, Ernest, but just to take a look at this scenario in the current context of our Russian nuclear procurement program and ask, are we really indeed in the best hands? Because as yet, there is no solution to nuclear waste disposal in South Africa, including the last couple of decades from Kuburg. And from what I've just told you, it doesn't seem that nuclear waste disposal is the biggest priority back in Russia either. Hmm. Uh, some food for thought there, for sure. And uh, South African Airways celebrated Africa's first sustainable biojet fuel flight last week, produced from a nicotine-free tobacco plant. Uh, given the turmoil surrounding SAA right now, good to hear some positive news for a change, isn't it right? That's right, Ernest. I feel like I want to buck the trend here and give some credit where it's due and provide some positive news about the state-owned enterprise, SAB, uh, the, the, the SAA, and uh, in line with SABC's uh, more positive editorial style. So this is a, a project that has been planned over the last couple of years, but SAA has quite ambitious goals to be using 100% aviation biofuel on all their routes by 2022, which is very exciting and, as I say, very ambitious. What does environmentally responsible biofuel mean? So the source of the fuel is from a crossbred tobacco plant called Solaris, which has no nicotine content whatsoever, has high-yielding uh, oil seeds, which is where the actual fuel comes from, and uh, doesn't have as many leaves, so it's much easier to process and handle. Socially, this is the interesting part as well, and Part of SAA's big plan is to engage smallholder farmers, mostly in the Limpopo region, to grow this very specific tobacco plant and to extract and process and refine the oil seeds locally to provide this aviation-grade jet biofuel and to, in the process, provide jobs and alleviate poverty in line with our national uh, development plan. So
So just to be uh, clear, this project is still at a pilot phase, and the sustainability, scalability, and commercial viability are still questions that are up in the air, in my opinion. This particular flight was from, Johann- from Cape Town to Johannesburg, only used 30% uh, biofuel, 70% conventional aviation fuel, which is still a huge uh, achievement. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, the plants were grown in South Africa. The seeds and oil were processed abroad, though, and the fuel was flown back to South Africa, which is not obviously that sustainable as yet, but they are planning to have a complete localized supply chain. Uh, WWF is involved to ensure that the project doesn't create food security issues, which is the issue that we always talk about when you're cultivating uh, crops for energy. And, uh, but only time will really tell to see how this is managed and uh, how, how, how that value chain is managed and uh, WWF will safeguard natural resources, water and food for the population. So overall, Ernest, a very positive effort for SAA, the first in Africa biofuel uh, a flight from Cape Town to Joburg, one that will really add to the longer-term sustainability of the carrier. Obviously, we just need to get to a couple over a couple of short-term hurdles that obviously everyone is more than aware of, so I won't go through. But yes, very positive indeed. All right, we'll leave it on that positive note. Kevin James will chat again next Wednesday. Take care. Cheers, Ernest. All Kevin James from GCX Africa, uh, talking uh, climate change and sustainability as always. Uh,